You're listening to the Health Coach Careers Podcast, brought to you by Wellpreneur. Learn what it's really like to be a health coach in these interviews with real, successful health coaches. These interviews originally aired on the Wellpreneur Podcast, and they're hosted by me, Wellpreneur founder, Amanda Cook. I hope they give you inspiration and insight into planning your own health coaching career. Are you thinking about becoming a health coach? I know it's a big decision. I know I had a lot of questions, fears, and excitement when I took the leap to become a health coach while I was still working full-time. That's why I've created a free health coach decision kit to help you decide if it's the right next step for you. Download the decision kit at wellpreneur.com slash decision kit. Welcome back to another episode of the Wellpreneur Online Podcast. This week, I'm talking to Lisa Ryan, and we're talking all about community building and engagement and running successful online programs. I know that's something that many health and wellness entrepreneurs and lots of coaches really want to incorporate more into their practice to leverage their time by running group programs online. Now, I was lucky enough to be a guest expert in Lisa's Winter Renewal Detox program, and I was just blown away by the community and the engagement and the support that she has in her detox programs between the participants. So in the Facebook group, everyone's answering questions and helping each other and supporting each other. And it really just becomes this vibrant community that makes you feel like you're connecting with people in real life. I mean, it doesn't even feel like a virtual program. It's really awesome what Lisa's created. So I wanted to have her on the show to talk with us about engagement and community building and running online programs, because I know that having a successful online program can really boost your business. And that's something that many of us are looking to do. So I'm here talking today with Lisa Concilio Ryan about building community in our online programs. Lisa actually runs really successful seasonal detox programs. I was lucky enough to participate as a guest expert in her recent 10-day winter renewal detox. So I've been really looking forward to have Lisa on the show so that we can talk about how she's created such a vibrant community online and, and share some tips for people that want to create their own online programs. So welcome, Lisa. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So like I was saying, I was just took part in your 10-day winter renewal detox, and it was really a lot of fun. Oh, I'm glad that you had fun. I mean, I always wonder what the guests feel, especially when they have a health background or, you know, holistic health type of training. So I always, always wonder what you think, you know, in the background there, like, hey. Yeah. Um, yeah, if that makes sense. But yeah, I'm glad that you had a great time. Well, it was just nice to be... Because there was different components to your program that we can talk about. There were daily emails and lots of good information that you sent out in terms of recipes and guidebooks. But the part that I really enjoyed actually was the Facebook group because I've been in, I'm sure we all have, we've been in some Facebook groups that just, you know, they don't really get off the ground. They're just kind of spammy or self-promoting. But yours was really interactive and everyone was really supportive and chatting with each other and answering questions. And I mean, that really made the program, I think. I can imagine from a, from the people participating in it, they must have just thought that was fantastic. Yeah, well, on the forum, as you probably saw, a lot of people mentioned, oh, I'm so glad that we have this group and Lisa's coaching. Or It was a lot about the support of the group. And when you're making big changes and you know, eating clean, detox, cleansing, things like that can sound scary, especially that word detox. So it's always nice to do it with a partner and have a support group. So first of all, this has been my eighth or ninth group in the past few years. And I at first didn't have a Facebook group. I just had people write on the blog and we had our little communication there. 
And even though it, we had a group, it was very different dynamic than it is on Facebook. Because, you know, you really couldn't see someone's face, first of all. And I think putting the words to someone's face is really important. And that's probably why Facebook's so successful, obviously. But it's that constant, immediate feedback. So if someone says, I'm having a hard day, within seconds, someone else can reply, okay, what's going on? What what are you struggling with? How can we help you? And then it became more of a dialogue. So I think from my perspective and what I've seen on the forum, a lot of people had, they had a really great experience and it was a lot due to, okay, there's someone, you know, I have accountability here and support. Mm -hmm. It was really important. And then I got a lot of emails behind the scene, even from people who didn't write on the, they were in the Facebook group. Of course, there's those people who don't write anything. And I have to admit, sometimes I'm like that. I'm like, oh, I'm not sure how I can add to this conversation, but it's really interesting and I'm learning from it. And they've mentioned that even though I was silent, I really, really, really loved the group. It was so dynamic and vibrant and they really, I had a really hard day eight and I just kind of was lucky to get on the forum and have this group. So I think it makes it because I've also tried just having people do it themselves whenever they want. And that was a fail big time, especially business wise. Yeah. Tell me more about that. Why was that? Oh, goodness. Kind of embarrassing. But so when I first started out as a health coach, which was about almost three years ago, I thought I have to have detox because I'm really interested in that. And it's really just eating healthy, clean foods and eliminating some toxins for 10 days. Easy, right? But oh, everyone will do it whenever they have a chance. Let's just, you know, no one, you know, what if they can't make a January 12th start date? So anyway, like five people would do it (laughs) for the whole season because I think as humans, we need to be told when, first of all, what you you know what I mean? Like what day is it starting? Even if it is on vacation, they still sign up because they know, okay, it starts on this day and I might get back on day four, but that's okay. Cause I'll start with everyone. You know, everyone else will be there as a group. So I think as humans and women, especially we love that community aspect and being told what to do is huge. And so I learned my lesson pretty quickly. <laughs> After like one season, I'm like, oh no. Did you have that program just, you could buy it at any time? Yes, it was a do-it-yourself. And it wasn't developed at all. It was just a menu plan and recipes and like the shopping list. That was it. I didn't really have a journal. You know, I didn't have guest experts. I didn't do any videos because in my programs, I do daily videos just to check in in the mornings. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't that involved. So I thought, oh, someone will just do it whenever they need to do it. And it just wasn't the case. I think there's a couple things going on there. Like, yeah, it's definitely good to go through it with people because it kind of holds you accountable and it makes you feel Mm -hmm. like you're a part of something, which is so important. The other thing is though, just when you have something available on your site all the time to buy, there's no real pressure to buy it because it's always available. Whereas when you do it how you're doing it now, it's like it starts on this date. You need to join before then or you're not going to participate. And it gives people a bit of like pressure and excitement to buy at that time. And it makes it more of like an exciting event rather than, oh, I could do that whenever I wanted. Yeah, I think that you mentioned a good point. The hype or the it's an event. It's actually a party happening, if you can believe that or not. <laughs> well, detox can be a party, sure. A sugar-free party <laughs> with you. <laughs> so, but yeah, I kind of clicked with that pretty, I mean, it took me a little while, but after that one season, I went, okay, I made no money. And I worked really hard at this and nobody, it wasn't an event, kind of like what you said. So, But that happens. That's part of being in business is you just try things and see what works. And I think that what you did is good is that you try it for, you know, a quarter or something, a season. And then if it's not working, you need to don't keep doing it, right? You need to adjust and try something else, which you did. And now you've hit on this really successful formula. Yeah. I mean, I really feel that it is really successful. I guess mainly 
for the feedback that I get. And obviously, I want to make money and I want my business to thrive and I want to be successful. But the main thing I'm out to get is to really serve people as much as I can and to reach people who are on that transition mark between, all right, I'm healthy or I know how to be healthy or I'm thinking about being healthy and I know I need to make changes and kind of bridging that for them so that they can kind of live um, a healthier lifestyle where it's not the, you know, one-off diet, things like that. Mm -hmm. Because that could be scary. So So, tell us a bit about the components that are in your detox program or in your group programs now. So the components, you mean? Well, like there's a Facebook group and you have recipes and... Right. So I'm a little bit different than most most people who do detoxes. I don't say pick from these group of greens or, you know, you have to have two grain or, well, a lot of people are grain free and a lot of my recipes are grain free, but I'm pretty precise and very methodical, meaning I tell you exactly what to eat for breakfast, snack, lunch, dinner, snack. There's no guessing because when we have to guess, we're like, okay, I give up. And I noticed that, especially with a lot of cleanses that I tried in my past, and it was beautiful, like a, like it would be a beautiful 21-day cleanse, but there wasn't like, here's what you do eat on day one. Here's what you eat on day two. So it's that precise menu, the recipes that go with it, shopping list where it's not buy some kale, it's buy one or two bunches of kale or three cucumbers, four apples. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, I mean, it's a lot, a lot. It takes me days to even get kitchen and do all the testing and It's wonderful. I love it. I really love it. It's a little bit different than like a plan that probably we would see pretty much, you know, if you would find something on the internet or things like that. Yeah. Even in cookbooks. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah, it's a lot different. That's a good point because I actually found that when I was health coaching clients too, is that the majority of people really want to be told what to do specifically. And Mm -hmm. I think I'm weird because I don't like that. So I prefer really flexible. And probably that's because I'm quite into health and food. And so I kind of like to take an idea and customize it and use what ingredients I have. So when I started working with clients, health coaching, I was doing the same thing, giving general guidelines of what they should eat. And actually a lot of clients came back and said, can you just tell me exactly what I need to eat every day? And that's what they needed. And maybe they don't need that for the rest of their lives, but maybe that's what they need for a few weeks in order to get them back on track. And so I think what you were talking about there really goes to knowing your audience, depending on what program you're developing, you really need to talk to those people or have worked with them so you can find out what's the level of information that they need so you can deliver it how they need it. Yeah, it does seem, it's kind of funny, Amanda, I'm this, I kind of like to experiment and do my own thing. If I have a guideline and some of the people in my groups do that, but my favorite person to work with is somebody who wants just tell me what to do. Because then after that, I noticed that they take a few things from the detox. Either it's drinking their water with lemon in the morning or they like the lentil soup or something like that they'll start to incorporate it and it becomes Mm -hmm. like a ritual and a habit. And then it can build up, build successes from there. So it's pretty precise, but there's leeway. Obviously there's flexibility there if someone would choose to do that. Mm -hmm. And I also have for the components, you know, the journal, I think really writing your feelings or not even feelings, just kind of even documenting day one. I feel like this Three days before I got here, here's what happened. Here's what happened a month before I got here. Here's what happened a year. Kind of like putting things in perspective that, yes, in 10 days, you're going to see changes. You're going to have to give it some time. And then by day four, it's different. And then by day 10, it's a totally different outlook. So it's interesting to journal that. And we do that. And, you know, have a return to life packet on how to ease back into life. 
if you do, you can't give up the coffee. It's just something, even on the detox, you felt okay and you felt amazing. But it, you, your cup in the morning, totally cool, right? If it's not going to affect your body or it feels okay to you, here's how you add it back in. Or here's if you are going to, you know, you have to go to a party. How do you add that sugar back in if you know it's a birthday party? Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's lots. I mean, I even have a menu supplement packet, which gives you extra recipes to do during the cleanse. If you do want that flexibility or feel creative or, you know, you want to try something different. Those are the components when you talk about the virtual menus and things like that. Yeah. That Facebook group is a big thing. And I also, even in my news, my emails, I give a lot of information. Okay, we're talking about these ter- certain principles of detox. And even starting with the water, well, here's what's going on with that. And here's how much maybe you should try to drink each day. And just kind of give them tons of information. Because even though they're trying to just maybe make the meals and going through all these changes, they'll either go back and read about it later or there's thoughts in their head. And we're kind of planting the seed for them Mm -hmm. for different aspects. Just like with you with the natural beauty and talking about that. Someone might not have ever thought, oh, my God, my skin that's the largest organ on, you know, I'm actually slathering on toxins while I'm trying to eat well. Exactly. It's on my body. This doesn't make sense. Yeah. And even though they might not change or do anything about it, it plants the seeds and then maybe they a couple of weeks later think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I do a lot of coaching online in the group privately. A lot of people email me privately and I check in with a video. I just in the mornings usually or <laughs> I just look crazy, but I'm like, okay, just checking in today. Here's something to think about. Yeah, it's just a lot more about the more than the food part. Yeah. So well, I try to bring that in there. I'd like to talk a bit about the Facebook group because like I said in the beginning, that was one of the things that I really noticed about your program is that everybody in the Facebook group seemed very engaged and and supportive and asking lots of questions and it just really made it feel like a community. So I wanted to know if you could share some tips if somebody out there wants to create a Facebook group for one of their programs. How do you go about creating that kind of friendly, supportive community? I think before you even create the group, that the people in the group, obviously, who sign up for your programs, there has to be a level of trust. So no matter what, before they even get to the group, to you, there has to be some level of trust that they need to have. And I noticed that. I've had people that have been with me for two years. There's this level of trust in the way they even interact is so much different than someone who's new to me. So getting that level of trust is going to be the first thing. And that's obviously with your newsletters, emails, on Facebook, you know, putting certain information, giving a lot of information and valuable content for them to begin with. And then when you do create the group, the main thing that I do, and I learned this the hard way, is that I establish some guidelines. I hate to call them rules, but guidelines. So even on Facebook, you can put the description of the group. And so I actually write out everything needs to be positive. I mean, you don't have to be fake and go, yay, I'm so happy. It's day one and I have a headache, but yay. I mean, you don't have to be fake, but it's more of the positive cheerleading that we're trying to have on the group. So being really specific here, we're not going to be posting recipes because you got enough recipes. (laughs) You don't need to be posting blogs and you don't need to be posting do I mean kind of constantly posting like you were saying some people get very spammy guess mm-hmm. what everyone I have a life coaching program and I would love you to join that you know what I mean like there's no promoting even with my guest experts these are guest experts just giving you extra information and their awesome time and mm-hmm. you know valuable content kind of thing mm-hmm. so it's like a no pitch zone and 
I pretty much talk about a lot of support and I come from love. Sometimes I'll be a hard ass or, you know, I'm not going to, if you're going to quit, you need to email me privately. I'm not going to let you do that as your coach. So we got to figure out how we could support you and why are you struggling? Because a lot of the times it's not the food. In fact, it's really not the food. It's the emotions that are tied to it or what's the stress that you're having in your life or whatever's going on in your life. If you're busy, things like that. I like what you're saying, which is it's what we're talking about being really specific with food too, is that people want you to be a leader. And so it's important if you're creating a community online to set up actual guidelines and say, this is my community and I'm taking ownership of it. And this is what you're allowed to do in it. And I think that's okay because it's your Mm -hmm. program and that's how you're going to foster a good community. I think sometimes people can get a bit uncomfortable even telling others what to do. But in this case, if you're hosting a program, it's your responsibility to make sure that, you know, you're providing a positive environment for everybody. And so I think it's totally fine to set out guidelines like that. It's a really good idea. Yeah, that would be one of the tips, in fact. And it's interesting. And another tip would be is to kind of set yourself up to be prepared, especially if you're doing a Facebook group. Now, when I did it on the blog, it was a different atmosphere, like I told you. You wouldn't get instant feedback because a lot of the tips had to approve your comments before it even showed up. And, I, you know, I would approve everyone's comment, obviously, but I might not be home and I would be out and about and then come back an hour later. I'm like, oh, goodness, so-and-so commented. I have to approve it. So, you know, that instant gratification, that instant response can sway. So you just have to be prepared because if someone doesn't play nice, you have to have a plan in place. Ooh, that's, that. a good, that's a good point, actually. So I know that that happens in any group is that occasionally you get somebody that, yeah, starts not playing nicely, right? Maybe they're being really negative or they're just not helping really foster the community spirit in the group. So have you had that happen? And, and how do you deal with it? You know what? It's so interesting. So I, um, Facebook group, now I haven't had it happen at all when I did my blog groups where it would just be on my, our private blog. On the Facebook group, it is different because it's, you could post something immediately and there it is. It was interesting. I didn't really have anyone until this recent cleanse. So it was interesting. I think every group is dynamic with the people in it, right? Every group is different. And you have some people who, um, they're very strong in their voice or they're more, or they're on Facebook all the time. I'm not sure what it is, but it could change that dynamic or that feeling. And so this time we had a very vibrant, amazing group, loving women. They're so beautiful, loving people. And I did have someone that played not too nice. And she told everyone, I quit. I'm okay. I'm on day nine. It's all good. I eat clean anyway. So I had to respond because I thought, well, if I blow it off, how's that going to show everyone? You know, better, you know, we're all on day nine and we're like, Mm -hmm. oh my God, maybe I should quit too. Okay, whatever. And so I just said something to the fact that, okay, thank you so much for sharing. I wish I would have known if you were struggling, we could have helped you stay with us because my goal as a coach is to keep this as positive as possible. And we have a lot of people starting and a lot of people finishing. We really want to keep it focused on them and, you know, whatever. Mm hmm. And, um, and then I had a private conversation after. And of course, it's nothing to do with what's going on with the cleanse. It's a lot of private issues going on. So unless you're willing to say, okay, here's what's really, really going on with me. And this is why I have to quit, which you and I mean would make a little bit more sense. We don't want to do that, right? We don't want to talk about, okay, here's what's happening at home or here's what's happening with me and my life. Because that's hard to do with people that are pretty new to you. So, yeah, and that was my first time. What have you found about, well, I know something that I've found just from 
running different various group programs is, well, this sounds bad, but people always participate less than you think they will just because they get busy. And so like if you enroll a whole bunch of people in your program, they're not all going to be active participators in your Facebook group or replying to your emails or even completing the program, right? There's a certain number that just don't go through with it. Or maybe you don't have this problem. (laughs) Yeah, you know what? I know. I was trying to figure that out. And I do have people do a survey after they're finished. And a lot, I mean, pretty much, I will say right now for the winter client, I mean, 80% have finished. Now, I didn't hear from some other people, but that's a lot. I mean, I do have a a good retention rate. And I think it's because I really, really, really try to set everyone up as much as possible, like with a prep guide, kickoff call, everything, just as much as possible. To know that, all right, you're doing this, you committed to it, so let's go. But I will hold your hand, so don't worry. What percentage of people do you think actually participate in the Facebook group? You mean overall or just this group? Because I don't remember the other groups as much. But I would say that participate or join, those are two different things. Mm. Do you mean participate? Because then that would be like maybe a 30%, 40%. The only reason I'm saying that is just to set people's expectations that, you know, so if you're going to run your first group program and you want to have a Facebook group and you get 10 people enrolled in your first run of your program... Mm-hmm. That's not going to probably, I mean, just being realistic, unless really those 10 people are really super keen and not going to have personal life conflicts, you're probably not going to have a very vibrant Facebook group, right? Because maybe you'd get 50% of the people participating. I mean, yeah. I'm just trying to think through, you know, the first time you run it, it can be kind of small. And so it's just to have your expectations set that you should still definitely do it. But oh, yeah. you got to kind of think about which elements to include based on how many people you, you're going to have in the community. It's interesting. The higher the numbers go, I really feel like sometimes the involvement is also less, which is interesting. So totally. when you choose to have 10 people, I think they'll step up and do a lot more of the corresponding and, right. you know what I mean? Sharing. Yeah, and actually. Yeah. 500 people, it's like, wow, whatever. There's 500 people. So, and it's always the same people, like the percentage kind of, it's always the same people. That That's a good of- point, actually, because... Email lists, in general, they say this is a bit of a random statistic, but the average is like 20% of people that you send your email newsletter to will open it, right? But I know, like from myself and from clients, when you have a small list, like if you've got 50 people or 100 people on your list, you get really high open rates, like I know, 75% or more. And I think it's because probably those people you have some kind of personal connection with or I don't know what it is. It's just that there's this sense that it's a really small, engaged community. And as you get bigger and people get more removed from you, then the engagement rates go down. But I hadn't thought of that in terms of group programs, too. That's really true. Yeah. My list was growing and growing. I'm like, interesting. I think it has a lot to deal with the type of community you have. If they're engaged to begin with, if, you know, they want to hang out with you. They want to know more about you. So that makes sense about the list. I'm curious now if you could share what you've learned about marketing your program, your detoxes. Like what are a couple of tips that you found really effective in getting the maximum number of enrollments? I guess the marketing, the best practices are always something that you should incorporate. I didn't do it for this cleanse as much. I ended up launching another program at the same time. Ooh, two at once. Yeah, like I don't don't do that. <laughs> That's not <Right>? stressful. <laughs> it was good. It was the beginning of the year thing, and it, it's a new program that I have, and it's a all year program. So you get all a detox package, which means you get to cleanse with me all four times during the year, and then you have coaching in between, where it's you know you have another Facebook group, and then I do a call once a month, and I invite guests or talk on a certain topic that interests them. 
So anyway, I was launching both of them at the same time. And so that was actually really helpful because even after the winter cleanse just finished, people were hopping onto the new program because they thought, okay, I feel really good, but I got to maintain this and I want to kind of keep up with Lisa. So I'm just going to sign up for the whole year. I'm not saying to do that, especially if it's your first time running a program. Don't don't do that. Just because it might be stressful, you know, obviously launching two different things. But it's been great though that... So they can go from one, I mean, basically they go through the detox program and then you can sell them into your year-long program. So they keep working with you. That's brilliant. Yeah. So I did a little upsell, obviously, um, a few days after the cleanse to support them and things like that. But a lot of it had to do, getting back to your original question, if you are going to launch a program, first of all, find out what your community wants. And I have to admit, when I first started, it kind of fell upon me. Because I did a workshop at Whole Foods and it was called Detox 101 because I was interested in that. And of course, I didn't really search out like, what does my community want or what do people want to know about? Well, it was a packed house and I went, interesting. And people were like, what? I want to know more and da, da, da. And so that's when I developed that program, you know, my first detox program. But it was interesting to find out, okay, people want to know more about this. My community is interesting in cleansing. Interesting. So I think I'm going to develop a program about that. And so, you know, you could poll your community by sending out a survey, get on Facebook, even ask. I do that a lot. Even if I'm doing a free group program, I did a smoothie challenge, which was a 21-day smoothie challenge a few months ago. And I actually asked my Facebook group, all right, I want to do a challenge with you. It's for 21 days. Do you want a juice? Do you want a smoothie? Do you want this? Do you want that? And the majority wanted smoothies. So then I developed a program based on that. That's so important because I think it's... Yeah, I wanted the juice. I was like, oh, man. (laughs) Because we can just sit here in front of our computers on our laptops and like try to invent the ultimate program. But ultimately, you've just got to ask people what they want. Exactly. When I first started, I that kind of, like I said, fell upon me when I noticed in my class, I went, oh, my God, wait a minute. This is sold out. They came and fit more people. Oh, my God. All right. I think I'm on to something here. That would be one of the beginning steps. And then also, once you start finding out, all right, I think my community really wants to know more about self-love. I think I'm going to develop this program and I want a community where we could talk about this. At least maybe let's, I would love to do this for two weeks. And after you find out what everyone wants, then you can develop your program from there. And a lot of it is getting the word out. So even doing it without paying money, you can start guest posting you know, find, you know, you can find out certain blogs that have your audience, such as, let's say for me, detox, instead of going to another health coach per se, I would go to a yoga teacher, you know, yoga website, mm-hmm. or a fitness person and start building relationships and kind of seeing like, okay, wait, they're kind of on the same, they kind of think the same way I do. They believe that food is a tool for balancing out your body and things like that, but it's not like a diet. It's not used as punishment or starvation. Okay. I, I think we're in line. I'm going to pitch them and I'm going to see if I could write for their community. Or you could do a contest, um, give away a free, a couple free programs to whoever you're guest posting for, or you can search online also for bloggers that have a seem like they have a really active community. Doing giveaways was really successful for me, to be honest, because it helps grow your list and you never know, you know what I mean? You never know what type of long-term client that might be with you. So you were doing giveaways with your guest posts. 
Yeah, I did that a lot. And then I posted on Mind Body Green or Tiny Buddha, a really big sites that have millions of viewers. Or well, I'm not sure how many they have, but I'm pretty sure it's up there. I know Tiny Buddha is up there with that. Mm-hmm. I think it's Tiny, yeah, Tiny Buddha. And then there's Elephant Journal, you know, different websites that really have a lot. They're pretty accepting of guest posters. You know, obviously, social media is a big thing. So that would be, yeah, that would be a big step, I think. So you don't have to pay for advertising or marketing. I mean, for Vintage Amanda, that's definitely how I built my audience was just doing guest posting for other sites because you get a huge spike in traffic when those guest posts run. And then the the articles stay out there on those other sites. So you're continually getting traffic in through them. So it's a really good way to get people to see what you do. Sometimes I used to let slip when I first started because I thought, oh, why isn't anyone buying my program? And first of all, having a do-it-yourself one and let people do it whenever they want. Don't do that. But I guess that didn't work for me. Even when I did start the groups, I thought, oh, man, I just wasn't getting out there. So, you know, kind of sell your sell your program because you love it. You're proud of it. You want to share with other people. So I think guest posting was a huge thing for me. So what else are you working on or what's next for you coming this year? Well, we have Clean and Sexy for the whole year. It's going to be very interesting. I'm very excited about it because it'll be my first time where I can carry through with everybody instead of having a detox and then not knowing what happens after. It's going to be really fun. And then I'm working on a detox cookbook that that I will be hopefully publishing this year. I'm working with a, a publisher. So, you know, you can't really dictate the time, but I'm working on that. And I also have a retreat planned, a detox retreat in Costa Rica for five days for my community. So that, Ooh, that information, I know I'm just going to put it out there, but um, where information will not come out until February, uh, like another month. So you need a natural beauty expert. <laughs> I know. I know. We're finalizing all of the, I mean, we'll have a personal chef and we'll have personal yoga instructor that will be with us at all times hiking, be in the mountains for a few days, and then we'll go to the beach. Oh, I love that. Everything that um, I have projects here, it's mainly centered on that detox principles. And it's really just living a clean, happy life. Yeah. 80% of the time and the other 20%, you're just like, ah, drinking that wine with your friend or going to the party and having pizza or whatever. So, yeah. Cool. Well, thanks so much, Lisa. Where can people find you if they'd like to come sign up for one of your programs or just chat with you about something you talked about? Well, my website, obviously, uh, wholehealthdesigns.com. That's where I have a lot of recipes, a lot of information, even tips like how to make a smoothie jar or, you know, so that you have bunches of smoothie jars already made in your fridge so that you could take them out in the morning and have them for for your lunches before you go to work. That would probably be the best place. I'm also, I hang out on Facebook a lot because my groups are there and, you know, that's Facebook Designs LLC. And I'm also on Pinterest. I love that. <laughs> I mean, I'm starting to get really into Pinterest. I'm clearing the clutter in my office, my home office. And that's been really helpful for me. So I've been on there a lot. I'm trying to kind of decorate my new office. And then Instagram. And I'm also on Twitter. So I'm all over the social media stuff. So anyone could contact me there. That would be great. Awesome. Cool. Well, I'll put all of those links in the show notes too. So people can just go back to the blog post where the, the podcast episode is and click through back to your site. So thanks so much for being on the show. It's been really great chatting with you. I'm glad that we got to chat about community. So thank you, Amanda. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Health Coach Careers podcast. 
If you're thinking about becoming a health coach, don't forget to download my free health coach decision kit to help you decide if health coaching is the right next step for you. Download the decision kit at wellpreneur.com slash decision kit.